All right, this is your host, Alex Leonard. I am back. I know it's been some time, and so I thank you if you've subscribed to the show for sticking with me. I plan to start releasing more of these episodes and frankly just needed some time away. So I'm so happy that you've rediscovered this show or perhaps are listening in again got a very special episode super excited i have the ceo of amuka sports ben is here with me and we're going to be talking about all things esports it's a super interesting episode because we not only talk about the value of the rising esport market but also the benefits for having some sort of play and entertainment and competition in your life Yeah, I think that overall, people are really going to enjoy this episode. So stay tuned and prepare to start hearing more and more Creative Kind coming at you very soon. This is Alex Leonard, host of the Creative Kind podcast and owner of the creative company AL Media. My business specializes in videos, mural paintings, and illustrations. From working as a radio DJ, journalist, illustrator, painter, and now video editor, I've worn many creative hats. So visit alexleonardmedia.com to work together. Ben, thanks so much. I appreciate you being here and you making time for me on the Creative Kind podcast. And I just want to acknowledge a lot of the great work that you do and that you're up to. And yeah, it's just... Uh, more really to acknowledge the space that you've created with the uh, with the Amuka is Amuka brand, yeah, yeah, perfect, and yeah. So with the Amuka esports brand and and really how you're carving the space out for esports here in uh, Canada and really kind of building that brand and just creating you know a positive ecosystem where that gamers can unite. And so I felt that this would be a really interesting episode to have and. Know, season three because it's a kind of video that a type of video that people often don't necessarily think of but it really dabbles into the live stream space and the live stream that is for uh, streaming gaming and so i guess the the first question that i have for you is tell me the first game that you ever played uh it's hard to really remember but Bases loaded too, I think for, for NES was definitely one and RBI baseball, some of the old sports games for NES. Um, that was my first console when I was about five or six. Um, and so that whole library, obviously the classics, you know, all the Mario classics, but yeah, really baseball sports games really got me on board. Hmm, interesting. And what, what do you think, what do you think it is about, Uh, a game like a compelling game that puts it so hard sometimes or makes it so hard to put the controller down yeah i just think it you know it transports you away from what's going on in your life and puts you into a new world and you get to think about you know think about new characters and roles and and this whole different persona that you get to play and experience inside the game and you know for me you know i remember as a kid you know, I would go to sleep thinking about the trades that I made in the game, you know, playing NHL hockey and um, like all that just, you know, made you feel, got you, got you to think about and to be in the shoes of people that you wanted to be in and experiences you wanted to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, games, uh, games and just like film and media in general, right? It, it has a very unique aspect and that it can help transport us away 
and provide this space where we can be somebody else or we can, you know, live out these, these dreams. And yeah, gaming is such a cool space. You know, I, I've, I've grown up gaming, you know, I will admit, uh, I, I still love a solid RPG. That's, that's definitely where my heart lies. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to see how there's become uh, a new convergence and really so much emphasis on the aspect of live and playing with other people. And, you know, I will admit I'm a bit of a laggard, like I still love a classic campaign. So why do you think, I mean, yeah, what do you think that the, the value is when you can play not just with like your friends and like, you know, an old school land party where you guys are all ripping Halo too, uh, but and you can actually play with like people around the world, right? Like, why do you think that that's become such like a, a landmark now in terms of gaming culture? Yeah, I think, well, just in general, playing against the AI gets boring and, you know, doesn't really um, create a great gaming experience. Um, you know, I, I don't play too many online games. Uh, you know, Fortnite might be one where, you know, if I don't have a fourth and I'm playing a squad with a couple of buddies, yeah, we, we we let a Phil go in and, and get a random person. And I've actually met some really awesome people playing Fortnite. I met a guy who uh, served in the U.S. military, uh, or sorry, in the U.S. Navy, uh, and shared his experiences. And I've also seen like kind of the dark side. I've seen kind of like you know what eight and nine year old. Not that I often play with eight year eight and nine year olds. It, it's an autofill. <laughs> I don't have a choice. But uh, just just to get a little bit of like understanding in terms of you know, what young people are playing and, and an insight into them. So I find it really valuable, but at the end of the day, I for sure prefer to play with my friends and, and, and continue relationships that I can't continue because I'm older and I'm married and I have kids and it's COVID and all these reasons, but I can stay connected with so many guys that I, that I want to keep in touch with. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, it's interesting, like how gaming, I feel like, even more so maybe in COVID and perhaps like, you know, more about that in terms of statistically speaking, but it does really provide such a nice bridge to connect with say like your, your friends. And that's, I think that's been a huge benefit to me uh, over the past few years is as I moved away from people, it's a way for us to reconnect. Right. And I think that that's always going to be such a, a strength to the gaming community is that you can not only connect with like, your friends, but also, you know, you speaking about connecting with strangers, you know, in the U.S. or wherever, just across the world, and learning a bit more about them and their interests, and having this as, say, that common, that common interest that can help connect you and kind of bridge that gap, whether you don't speak the same language or you don't fully know each other, like, right, like, it, it's kind of that common denominator that can really bridge friendships. Yeah, and it's definitely definitely multi generational. Like you know, my kids. If I come home and my kids are watching Paw Patrol or Peppa Pig, or like, I'm like, no, thank you, doing something else. But when I come home and I see they're playing Roblox, or right now they're playing Minecraft, and they're probably gonna come up here because they don't really know how to do everything. Um, yeah, it's a great bonding opportunity for me to sit down and play Minecraft with them and show them how to build and. I went out or they show me stuff. So uh, that's definitely the power of gaming that I think a lot of entertainment forms uh, don't really have. Mm, yeah. And so curious, I mean, maybe let's dive into a bit more about the company that you're the CEO of. And then, you know, I wanted to 
wanted to also break the ice and talk about our favorite games and things like that. Uh, but yeah, so talk to me about uh, Amuka Sport, uh, Esports and what what does the what it, what is your value proposition? Yeah, so we started this company about two years ago, and the idea was to create a real esports hub. Um, and and that, what that really means is that, you know, that there's a place for any type of gamer. So what we've done is we've created a physical gaming arena and we've combined it with online events and tournaments and a media division. And I'm rocking, this is Parabellum, this is our competitive team. So we have sort of every part of sort of that esports ecosystem all rolled into one, all connected locally in one city in Toronto. And we're now building out into Windsor and other cities. So we really want to empower the casual and amateur gamer to play more, to get better and to, um, you know, build up new gaming communities. Nice. That's awesome. And so you're based in Toronto, you have a physical space where people can come and game. What's the capacity of that space? Like, you know, obviously prior to COVID uh, when that you guys are in that space, like how many, how many computers, like how many people can come to say a tournament happening there? Yeah, we have 50 PCs and probably another 30, 30, 40 consoles. Uh, so, yeah, we can host major events. Some of the biggest events uh, to come to Canada have come to our facility, uh, Tekken World Tour and Street Fighter Pro Tour. Uh, so, you know, if there's World Cup stops, you know, they're going to be and they want to come to Toronto, they're going to come to our place. So, yeah, we can host, uh, I think the legal limit is like 400 people in our arena. Um, so it, it really depends on how we're set up for if it's more of a playing tournament or more of a watching tournament, but full stage production lights, casting booth, everything. No, that's, that's awesome. I definitely need to come check that out at some point. I'd love to yeah, get a tour of that, uh, that building. And anytime, so, anytime. Amazing. And yeah, that's really, really cool. And so, you know, like talk to me about when, like when an event happens, like would you really try to cater your space more to say the tournaments or would you also like, could it also uh, be crossed over to do like, you know, announcements, right? Like sometimes, you know, I remember when they announced like, remember seeing videos of them announcing Doom on mobile and everyone just started booing. I don't know if you saw that video, um, but yeah, like, could you do things like that as well? Like, it sounds like it's a pretty, like, ambidextrous space that you, it's kind of adaptable to whatever your needs are. Like, is that something that's, like, an alternative revenue stream that you've considered or maybe you've acted on? Yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely used for a lot, of, a lot of film production. It's a great studio space. There's a, there's a documentary on Amazon Video, Amazon Prime, called Game Breakers that was shot at our place. Uh, there's an upcoming feature film with, with BuzzFeed Studios and Lionsgate called One Up, which which is going to be a big scripted production on an esports team. They shot a few scenes at our place. So, yeah, I think in the entertainment space, if it's going to be gaming and going to be announcements, we're, we're probably going to be the place to announce them. Um, and obviously, you know, we'll see what that looks like kind of after COVID. Yeah, amazing. I'm so excited for you. It sounds, sounds like an awesome way for people to kind of come out, especially if they're, you know, really invested in the scene or even if they're just kind of getting into it, as we mentioned. And so, like, where do you see in terms of uh, demographics? Like, you know, we talked about how you can game with your kids and then there's like a lot of crossover there. 
who would you say is still the main demographic and the demographic that you're trying to appeal to as being like, you know, you're, you're growing gamer, you're increasingly MLG gamer. Yeah, it's probably 16 to 30. Some games skew younger, like Fortnite. Some games, fighting games skew older. But for the most part, let's say like that 15 to 30 is, is would probably be 90 something percent of the of the gamers that come through our doors. And in terms of like gender divide, like is it, would you say it's more male? I, you know, I know that- It's all male. Gamers, it's all, all male. male. All male. It's like probably 90, 10. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And like, do you think that, because I feel like there's so much on top potential there in terms of female gamers. Now, is that a market that you think is growing? Like the, the female gamers, do they just play different games? Are they just playing these, you know, maybe more male dominated games and that they're not necessarily as active? Like million dollar question. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why women aren't as active in esports, and they're rooted in, yeah, this kind of like, for sure, this male dominated sexist toxic behavior that goes on online and Twitch. Uh, women who stream don't want to be on mic or cam. Um, and there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of verbal abuse and harassment. So they're just like, it's, it's like, fuck that. It's just, it's not worth it for them to do it. So we definitely need a real shift for women to feel that it's, that it's a safer space to play and compete. And there are, I mean, we have a, we have a rainbow six women's roster. And also, you know, we're, we're trying to really push into women's esports, and I think it's incredibly important, but yeah, the numbers, the, the player base on for competitive tournaments, even amateur tournaments is, is so down compared to, to male or just non, you know, or even a mixed roster and i think that's just because of that that kind of culture and especially some games have this a very like toxic bro culture to them that it's just that you know a lot yeah. of women are just not into yeah and do you see that shifting like you know i'm just thinking like long term because the the state of esports and gaming is like booming like every year we're sending new records right like, do you see that in t five, ten, even twenty-five years, that so, like that's going to be more diverse, or? So let, we have to make sure we just sort of separate, define our terms and separate them. Women are gamers, that's for sure, and I've seen many numbers. It could be as much as fifty-fifty. So there's no doubt that women play games. That we know it's well documented, and that's going to continue to to grow. I think when we're talking about esports, playing video games at a competitive level, that's where we're seeing a bit of a drop off or even on the content creation side, um, you know, that's where we're seeing the disparity. But in terms of actual player base for games, you know, definitely there, there's, there's very large participation from women. Yeah, it's a really good distinction. Thank you for making that. And, and so in terms of you know, in terms of the MUCA, I want to I want to come back to uh, your company, and I want to talk a little bit more about the team who you have uh, with you. And so, you know, how big is the team? Did, was it started by you? Like, how? What? What is? What is your origin story essentially, and how did you get to where you are now in terms of growing that team? Yeah, the the origin story I call it lore at this point <laughs> is that. Um, I mean, I had been investing in esports for quite some time, you know, since 2015. And um, I don't look like it, but I'm actually an investment banker and 
and uh, I set up my own firm. And we were raising money for some real estate and tech deals and eventually esports companies. And then we had this great esports company. It was a great idea. But the CEO sucked and um, he was disheveled and we always thought he was on drugs and just like it just wasn't working. And we kept saying, Ben, like the joke in the company was if you were C CEO, it'd be so much easier to do this. And then like after enough times, people making that joke, you know, it sort of became a reality and said, you know what, maybe it's time actually we kind of put our investment bank on hold. Uh, I really saw a gap in the market in terms of where these early stage esports companies are coming from and decided, you know, let's really go all in and, um, and roll something up really quickly with this idea of creating an esports hub. So that's the, that's the genesis of it. Um, and, you know, the company in June, it'll be two years. So it's been a good, good start. And honestly, we're just getting going. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations on that that two-year anniversary coming up. That's creeping up. So I uh, hope you got something fun planned for that as well. Yeah, actually, what I'd like to do is, um, are you familiar with hot tub streamers? No, do they play the hot in the hot tub? tub? Yeah, so it's kind of controversial. But anyway, on, on Twitch, you know, there's a lot of usually women uh, who are streaming from their hot tubs in, in, in hot tub attire. You know, so it's a bit controversial. So what I'd like to do for our anniversary, again, COVID, you know, is COVID pending, is I'd like to have the first ever hot tub, the fully clothed hot tub stream. So I'd like to have everyone in my company, we'll rent a hot tub, we're going to jump in in our clothes, and we're going to do like a huge day for the first ever fully clothed hot tub stream. So that's what I'd love to do, but we'll see. Obviously, it depends on the COVID situation here. Yeah, totally. That's a good idea, though. That's uh, that's fine. That sounds sounds like a, a fun way to celebrate uh, bringing it in. And so, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you have like like a fun team. Like the the location itself looks awesome. And so, you are a public traded company as well, correct? Uh, not yet. We we did make an announcement that we were going to get acquired by a pub, publicly traded company, uh, but we canceled that back in March. So we are still eligible bachelors. Uh, but I think we're going to make an announcement pretty soon um, about sort of Amuka 2.0 and where we're going to take it next. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and where, like, where would you want to take it next? Like, how do you see the company growing in the next five years? Yeah, I think, you know, at least for 2021, we're really focusing on media and on teams, you know, our, our team Parabellum esports. Uh, we're going to be the first, Canadian team to go to the Six Invitational, which is Rainbow Six's, you know, world championship. So that's a really exciting time. The team's going to Paris in a couple of weeks, two weeks, two weeks, they'll be off to Paris to, uh, to compete. And so that part is definitely exciting in the media. Like we have a lot of TV shows, a lot of content we want to create and develop. And I think our next partner is going to be really good to help us develop those shows. But then I love venues and I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not going to stop doing that. I think the way we want to grow creating more venues is through retail partnerships and collegiate partnerships. So we're going to be making some announcements about sort of new facilities, but not, not really going to build any more gaming arenas right now. Mm -hmm. And like when I visited Asia, one thing that I saw a lot of was uh, like PC cafes Right? Like there's a lot of just like PC cafes where people can come in and, and you know, rent a, a computer essentially space to play. 
Is that something like, is that a business model that you've considered and maybe you've acted on? Yeah. So we, you know, we're open just for gaming. So anyone can come in and play. We have like top end, you know, specs on our computers, you know, all the games are downloaded. So, you know, people come to play because a, they want the good equipment. They want lightning fast internet speeds. They want to play with their friends, whatever the reason they, they don't want to play at home. So that's kind of like, it keeps the lights on type of thing. And then definitely the, the, the revenue is really dry from tournaments. Um, mm. The thing is, in online tournament, the economics are very challenging because it has to be free. So it's completely re- you're completely relying on sponsorship revenue to cover the cost. But when it's a LAN event, like I'm a premium gaming experience in Toronto, and fortunately slash unfortunately, many of our competitors have gone under anyway. So if you want to play and compete, then you're going to get a great gaming experience, um, full production, stage, casting, everything. We're going to make you feel like a pro. And you'll pay, you'll pay, you know, 10 to 20 bucks just for their, for a one, you know, community event or whatnot, or 50 to hundred bucks for a marquee event. And that's a good value proposition for gamers. And it's good for us. But as soon as you go online, you know, what's one online tournament to the next, they're like really a dime a dozen. So you, and I understand, like, I wouldn't pay for an online tournament either. There's not enough value. So that's what we're excited for is getting back to land events where we dominate and Toronto's the fourth largest city in North America, and we've got the largest gaming venue and and really have cornered that market. Yeah, and I feel like it's, you know, like I just see the parallels between like like attending a tournament, right, and going to a music festival. Sure, you can stay at home and listen to the music, but it's not just about the music, right? Like it's the experience of being in a hall with a bunch of people, you know, like having that, as you mentioned, right? Like feeling like an absolute pro and you can like, you know, crush some people on your favorite game. Like that just sounds like a blast. Even if I'm bad at the game, I'm sure I'd still have fun. Like even when I play League of Legends, I get absolutely crushed. But, you know, it's all about having fun with your friends, right? And I think that there's a really strong value proposition there that we kind of dived into. Yeah, when you win and, you know, you beat someone online, it's not the same. Like, you know, like I want to see the the sweat on their brow. Like, I want to be like, fuck you. Yeah, in your face. You could be rage and toxic and all that. It's just all that behavior which we, we condemn and it's terrible. It has, no, of course, no place in gaming. But all of that is what makes the excitement. And if you look at the pros, you know, Call of Duty LAN last year, yeah, that's what was exciting. It was like the players got excited and they trash talked and you have Scump, you know, like staring down, you know, his opponents on stage. That's great. That's healthy competition. Maybe not the, all the F words and middle finger, but you know what I mean? That's, that's good competition. And you can only get that online. Like you, you just you can't get that online. And so that's that's what really everyone is excited for. Now all the major tournaments are going to be on land um, without uh, without an audience for now. And then I'm sure by the end of the year we'll have full audiences. Nice. Yeah, I look forward to that. And so so talk to me about uh, Parabellium. You, the team that you know help you guys rep in, in Rainbow Six and I'm sure other games too. Like what what does that like what for people who are not familiar with esports, like like what is a team, right? Like and how big is your team? Does that change depending on the game? Is it kind of like, you know, there's people come and go depending, you know, on the match? Like do you have sub-ins, that kind of thing? Like 
Yeah, so you have like the parent co, um, so that's Parabellum, and then we have different rosters. So for each game, we have a different roster. Uh, so we have a professional Rocket League team, we have a professional Rainbow Six team, and then we have some academy level teams that are, you know, not quite pros, and we're hoping they'll get there, and we want to develop players. We have a whole academy where where, yeah, exactly, we have players that are working with coaches to get better and improve their skills and, you know, work up the system. So very much like traditional sports, we're scouting and drafting and developing players, and then we are signing signing the best ones. It's also important for us as a Canadian team, we want to have as many Canadian players as possible that are pro. It's not to say we won't sign U.S. players or international players, but it's very much part of our identity that we're Canadian. We're, we're Canada's esports team. The community is, is behind us. And so, um, yeah, right now, you know, 90% 90% of the team is Canadian and, and we try to really, you know, develop local homegrown talent. Wow, that's very cool. So, okay, so that makes sense, right? Like, because you remember you were mentioning as well the female rainbow team. Uh, like, that's part, that's a, a roster underneath the parent, which is Parabellium. Yeah, exactly. Okay, nice. And then, so the, the tournament that they're playing in Paris, uh, so that's what, that's like a world Rainbow Six tournament, essentially? Yeah, exactly. So Rainbow Six, it's a very global game. Um, there's, there's, you know, a North American region, an APAC region, a European, et cetera. And then they all just kind of like the League of Legends format. The the top teams qualify for what's called SI, the Six Invitational. And uh, it's actually like we're already into the next season, but we're playing the championships for the season before because of COVID. Um, and um, yeah, so they're, they're going to be going to Paris to compete in person against all the top teams in the world. Wow, congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. Sure, I'm sure they're uh, really looking forward to that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge, huge for us. Like, you know, I don't, I don't you know, look, I, I hope we win. Um, but even just the fact that we're, that we're, we're there on the, on the, on that stage competing with those teams is like, it's, it's a win in my books. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah, like, like when I think of streaming as well, like I guess maybe just more the, the friend groups that I, I've, you know, grown up with, but it's a lot of like uh, league. And I know that Dota was really big. And, you know, I feel like maybe in the past we saw a lot of strategy and I know that like league is still, you know, league tournaments are still pretty big today. Uh, but Rainbow Six is more like an FPS first person shooter. Like has has the FPS games and major league tournaments always been there or would you say that we're seeing now like more tournaments in a more diverse amount of games where we're you know you know maybe you'll have like a minecraft tournament or things like this right like do you see that there's an expanding market in terms of what you could have um you know major league uh, experiences around yeah you you have your kind of tier one tier two tier three games and if you're talking just PC or console, there'll be some variation, but you know, within the FPS genre, you're seeing both. You have Valorant, which is a brand new game and it's, it's probably the most popular FPS on the planet right now. And then you have Counter-Strike, which is the oldest FPS on the planet, which has been around for, for decades. So you have a little bit of both. And then there's games in between, you know, Fortnite's been, you know, three, four, four years. 
and then, then there's newer ones like Apex in the sort of the battle royale genre. So it's a real mix. Um, I do think, yeah, it's very, it'll become more and more saturated. That's for sure. Uh, you know, everyone's going to have an FPS. Everyone who has an FPS is going to have a battle royale game. And, you know, it's going to heat up like that. But right now, you know, I'd say, you know, Valorant, Counter-Strike, Call of Duty are probably one, two, three. Interesting. And so if people want to connect with you, like what's the best way that they can watch these, sh- watch the streams is, is the Rainbow Six tournament in a few weeks. Is that going to be streamed? And just also to connect with, you know, Amuka Esports, how can they reach out to you, Ben, or the company itself? Yeah, best way to find me is probably LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, my handle is 5kfef. I'm not so active on Twitter, but um, you can connect with me there. Definitely more active on LinkedIn. Our team is Parabellum Esports. Uh, you can find them on everywhere, you know, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Uh, and then we also have a YouTube channel called Made in Esports, where we have a whole bunch of shows. I have my own show, a couple of our other teams. So if you want some great esports content, um, yeah, check out Made in Esports on YouTube. Awesome. I appreciate that. Definitely we'll include some show links to, to a lot of that uh, in the in the episode once it goes live. And so so two questions left here. Is there anything that you wanted to chat about that we didn't get a chance to to really address in the interview yet? You know, there's so much yeah, of course. There's tons of stuff that we didn't cover. Uh, but we could talk for hours and hours about <laughs> esports and the gaming industry. So, um, yeah, I, I think that 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 really gives a good a good primer. Um, yeah, you know, I mentioned this. I gave a keynote last week. You know, the people think it's weird that people watch other people play video games, right? That's that's a common thing that I hear from people, but it really isn't. Um, and you can fill in the blank. I find it weird that people watch other people watch the Kardashians or watch home and garden shows or play cricket, you know, whatever it is. Cause I don't understand it. I don't understand the Kardashians. I don't really understand gardening and I don't understand cricket. And so this, for, for me to see that people watch other people do these activities is pretty insane, but when you get it, you get it. And I think the only way, you know, people are really going to understand esports is you have to know the games you have to understand the rules mm. i don't i'm not a league guy i don't really i can't really follow it so i don't really appreciate it um versus the other games that i do follow and i can't appreciate because i don't know the rules of league like i mean more than just a basic on a basic level i don't know the strategies to really appreciate it so that's kind of the best way to do it you got to learn the rules and um i think poker when poker came on television 20 something years ago, people said the same thing. I can't believe people are going to watch, but what poker did is they created a great viewing experience. And if game developers and broadcasters, they can create an experience where you and I, maybe we don't know jack shit about overwatch, but we can go sit down and uh, watch an overwatch game and have a beer together. That's a success. And I think that's going to be the turning point for the industry. Yeah. It's a really good point to be honest. I mean, like even with me, like I'm not the biggest gamer, I do enjoy gaming and, you know, my, my former roommates and close friends who I still speak with regularly, like they are very, very involved in the gaming scene. And, um, you know, they would watch a lot of esports, and, you know, I would question it sometimes, but it wasn't, they made a good point. They're like, 
you know, we're also learning this to like, you know, like this is training essentially, right? We're watching how the pros do it to get strategies and ideas and hear the commentary. And it kind of is exactly what you said, right? Like if once you get it, you get it. And as soon as I started playing some of those games more with them, like I, I could appreciate it more because I understood the games, I understood the rules and I could observe that strategy and be like, oh yeah, that was, that was a good play. You know, and I think that it just, yeah, it takes that appreciation that takes that acknowledgement. And it doesn't mean you need to play the games. Uh, you just need to learn about them. Like, look at football. Football is the most watched sport in the United States. I will bet you that the vast, vast majority of people who watch football have never thrown a touchdown in their lives, have never stepped on a professional football field, have never, ever kicked a field goal in their entire lives. So it, that doesn't mean anything, but they still love the game. Right. So does just because you can't do it or don't do it um, doesn't mean you can't love something. And I think, you know, we see that in, in traditional sports. Most people who watch basketball, I bet I've never hit a three pointer. Maybe, maybe not. But football is a better <laughs> example. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, that's yeah. that's the point there. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, a great point. And so last question here for you, Ben. Uh, and thanks you, thank you very much for your time. I really do appreciate it. It's been an awesome no fun conversation. <laughs> but yeah, so last question here. What does creativity mean for you? Uh, uh, you know, I, I used to be in the film industry. And um, when I retired, I said, uh, when I make a little bit of money in my 40s, I'll get back into it and get creative. And I miss that. And I think that creativity plays a huge part in the process uh, of whatever you do and whatever you do in your life. And when you're devoid of that, it's really sad and it's, it's sad existence. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a tough, tough question, but, you know, I, I think you have to let the non-analytical creative side of you um, let loose sometimes and go with it and try out different things and explore and make mistakes um, in a way that maybe you wouldn't normally have done with that other side of your brain taking control. So, um, uh, have hobbies, have a good proper work-life balance. And I think that's the best way to maximize your creativity and your potential. Mm. Kind of a cheesy answer, but you know, whatever. No, it's a good one. It's true. I think it's really, I think it's powerful kind of having that balance and not being so analytical and just letting, letting your ideas and your thoughts just go into free form. You got it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ben. Again, I just want to acknowledge all the great work that you're doing with Amuka Esports. And I'll be moving to Toronto soon. And once I'm in Toronto and it's safer to do so, I'd love to meet you for a coffee, maybe come down with my with my uh, roommates who are, who are massive gamers. And, I'm, you know, they, they were excited for me. I was sending them links to your website and everything. And, uh, yeah, so I got a few of their questions out there too. So Nice. Where are you moving from? From London, Ontario. London. Okay, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you get in here, yeah, I'll give you a VIP tour. Amazing. Look forward to it, man. And I look forward to sharing this episode. And yeah, good luck. Good luck to your uh, Parabellum next, uh, well, in Paris in the next few weeks. I'm sure they'll crush it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. Okay, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Creative Kind. So happy to be back and sharing these amazing guest interviews that are just going to help inspire you and hopefully give you some creative inspiration as we come to the holidays. 
next episode, I'm going to be speaking with a former apprentice and intern who used to work with me at AL Media. Her name is Monica. She actually helped edit a lot of the podcast so it's only full circle that I had her on here. She works as a freelance videographer in Lithuania and is a really interesting individual that has had a lot of experience actually growing a YouTube channel and making travel videos. So it's super cool to speak with her and especially as a world opens up uh, to hear more about that sector. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with somebody that you know, a friend, a family member, a colleague that you think could benefit from hearing from Ben, who also enjoys playing video games. I think that this would be the perfect kind of episode to share and perhaps they'll go and visit their location here in Toronto. I know I want to go. This is Alex Leonard, host of the Creative Kind podcast and owner of the creative company AL Media. My business specializes in videos, mural paintings, and illustrations. From working as a radio DJ, journalist, illustrator, painter, and now video editor, I've worn many creative hats. So visit alexleonardmedia.com to work together.